This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lavery, and um, it's not too often that I get to have our guests here in the new studio with me, uh, but tonight I'm honored to welcome Carrie White. Uh, I'm going to call him Whitey from here on out, uh, as he prefers, So, um, but uh, I just wanted to kind of have him on, um, just a little history about him. Uh, uh, history is a funny joke, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, Whitey was my uh, history teacher in high school and uh, one of my favorite teachers. And um, beyond that, you know, just a, um, a person I looked up to growing up a lot. And, um, Thank you. you know, he's he's continued to do a, a lot of stuff. And I've kind of followed along with some of his adventures and uh, he's followed along with some of mine. And uh, but I'm uh, happy to welcome on the podcast. So welcome. Thanks, my brother. No problem. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Absolutely. It's really so. a nice surprise when you call. <laughs> I'm looking forward to these evening. Yeah. So um, I wanted to have uh, Whitey on because um, your your passion for the outdoors is something that I, I remember uh, way back from, uh, you know, having you as my history teacher. Um, I, you know, just from the moment you stepped into your classroom, you knew that you were a lover of the outdoors. Oh. And yes. uh, so uh, where did your love for the outdoors start? Well, um, 
my dad was not a hunter or a fisherman. Okay. And I'm an only child. So I really didn't have anybody to teach me or show me the way pretty much for the whole thing. So I just kind of was fascinated by it by myself. Okay. Now, as per the hunting, uh, the only thing my dad would hunt for is, well, he worked as a, as a meat cutter and he worked every day except Sunday and a half day Wednesday. So when I'd get off the school bus, live back here between Helm and Wrightsville off the Accomack Road, when I'd get off the school bus on Wednesday afternoon, he would be waiting for me, take home, we'd go home get our guns and we'd head back over the mountain to do a little squirrel hunt. Okay. Now I had a, uh, I had a single barrel 410 shotgun. Dad had a 12 gauge um, Winchester and we head back over uh, back of the wizard ranch and just walk back through there trying to get some squirrels. And then if we did, then we'd have uh, a lot of people make squirrel pot pie. I was just going to ask you about that. Yep. But I really, I know it's going to make you roll your eyes, but I really like turnips. Okay. So we would have, we'd bring the squirrel home. Dad would cook the squirrel and then dip them in egg yolk and cracker crumb and then lightly brown. Okay. And we would have squirrel and turnips. Okay. And it was uh, a big highlight for me, but he was so busy that I just, I couldn't go unless he would take me because I wasn't old enough. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and with the fishing... I didn't have anybody to show me, but then uh, my dearest friend, Stan Gingert, we've been friends from womb to tomb. <laughs> and in fact, a, a little, a cute little story about Stan and I, when we were about three, um, four, something like that, when we lived close together and uh, only a little bit of ways apart. And on Christmas morning, whoever got up first, called the other one and when the other one answered the one who called said was he there yet <laughs> and the other one would say whoever got the call would say yeah yeah he was here he was here i see the presence stuff like that <laughs> so we started that when we were i don't know three i guess or something like that and we still do it that's and awesome. we have never missed a year that's awesome now we're both 72 and <laughs> we have never missed a single year well his dad stan's dad ralph was a big fisherman and a big hunter and stuff. So they started to take me along and I tug along with them for fishing and stuff. Um, I remember one time down at Fishing Creek at Crayley. I know right where you're talking. Okay. They took me for the opening day of trout season. And one of the neighbors had given me this big old fly rod. So I had this fly rod. It was kind of a junky thing, but I had it and I was fishing some minis. They showed me how to hook minis. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going down through Fishing Creek there near the Crayley Fishing Game. I know exactly. Yep. I go there for almost every opening day of trout myself. So nice. It's a busy place. So oh, buddy. I'm telling you. So Stan's grandfather um, came up the creek and he said to me, he saw me and he said, Hey, Whitey, he said, are you catching anything? I said, no. I said, I'm not getting anything yet. I said, how about you? And he had a wicker creel. Mm -hmm. And he opened that wicker creel. And in this wicker creel was a bed of ferns 
and three beautiful brook trout laying in there. And I saw that. And I remember that like it was this morning. And it just caught me. It just intrigued me and uh, infatuated me with this, this creel and these brook trout and stuff. So I do a lot of catch and release. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to bring some fish home, I carry a wicker creel. That's awesome. And I just bring it along just because I saw Pat Dietz do it the first time. So then um, dad and mom and I used to camp up at Caledonia. Okay. And there's a stream running down through Caledonia Park. And I decided that I'm this big old clunky fly rod. And I'm still just little. I'm going to try to fish with some flies. Okay. So one of the neighbors gave me half a dozen flies. And one of them was a fly called a Mickey Finn. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but it's red and yellow deer hair, and bucktail, and it looks like a minnow. And uh, I put this Mickey Finn on, standing in this creek at Caledonia Park, right amongst the picnic tables and everything. And these big roots were growing out over this one little hole. And I flipped this fly rod up through and brought this, I didn't know what I was doing, but I brought this fly down in front of these roots. And this nice brook trout, about 14, 15 inches, came right right out and grabbed that streamer. And I set the hook and I just went, <gasps> and I didn't even quite know what to do, you know? So I'm starting screaming for dad. He was, they were, we were camped nearby and he comes over and I'm fighting this thing and fighting this thing. Finally, we get it in and I'm looking at this gorgeous thing. And this is the first real trout I ever caught. And dad said, um, well, you want to have it for supper? And I said, you know, I said, let's just let it go because it was my first one. So we unhooked it, unhooked it and left it go. And off oh, he went. Um, hunting. Um, I'm, I was never much of a small game hunter because there's nobody in the history of the world who is a worse wing shot than I am. <laughs> it just, it's awful. But uh, when I was 19, I wanted to kill a buck. So I had my grandfather's <clears throat> Winchester model 94, 32 special. And I went out on opening day and I got up in this tree stand. And right after daylight, here comes a buck walking underneath me and I'm looking at it. And it was the strangest thing. His left antler grew up as a nice three point and his right antler grew right around in a ring and right in his eyeball. Ooh. It was horrible. The pus and everything was running out. And I just stood there and I thought, well, I'm not shooting him. I don't know. And I just left him walk. Well, then a little bit later, there was a winter wheat field down there. And this nice buck comes running wide open across this winter wheat field. And I thought, I don't know. I'm not good enough to do that. And I'm not going to cripple anything. So I just left him go. And uh, this is not stepping on the toes of anybody uh, that's listening here, but um about half an hour later, I looked back and here was a four point and four points were legal then. Mm-hmm. And so I rested 32 special on this limb and I put the sights right in the base of his neck and I just went bam. And he just went kapoop, and dropped there. True story. And I just looked at him and I thought, what? Well, that was about the most boring thing I ever did in my whole <laughs> life. And I, uh, that was when I was 19, and that was the last time I ever hunted with a gun, with a rifle, and it just didn't do anything for me. 
The next week, I was over at Vern Kinsey's, Kinsey's Archery Shop, and I got uh, a compound bow, and I started bow hunting, and then that's been it for me the whole way. Then about, I don't know, maybe 12 years or so ago, I began to look at this compound stuff with all the gadgets and stuff, and it just didn't do anything for me. So then I got a recurve. Mm -hmm. And then I became 100% traditional archer. I don't hunt with anything except my recurves and longbows. Wow. My passion is antelope in Montana and Wyoming. Um, I usually fly out to Wyoming, hunt a week, fly home for two weeks, and fly out to Montana and hunt an antelope again. Um, and my goal was to kill 10. Well, I killed six so far with the recurve. But then... Last year, I didn't draw in either state. This year, I didn't draw in either state. And yet all my buddies drew, uh, but I didn't. So that's, um, if I had to give up all hunting, why, that would be, that would be the one I would stick to. Okay. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Vern Kinsey, if you knew yeah. Kinsey. Okay. Yep. Well, Vern was in a wheelchair. Uh, he had been a carpenter and he fell down some stories and broke his legs up. And that's how he started his business. He needed something to do. That, so he started the archery shop. So uh, during college and stuff, um, I worked for him over there. Okay. And guys would come in with pictures, uh, bull elk, uh, deer, bear, whatever it was. They'd come in with pictures, bow kill pictures. And they'd tell the story. And I loved it because I love listening to stories and I love telling stories. Mm -hmm. So they come in and this guy came in with a nice six by six bull elk, told the story. And Vern said, Whitey, go put the picture on the bulletin board. So I went over, put the picture on the board, board and came back. And Vern said to me, you know, Whitey, he said, guys, come in here with pictures of bear, deer, elk, moose, everything. But he said, you know what? Nobody ever brought me yet. I said, well, what's that? He said, nobody ever brought me a legitimate bow killed one day limit of Pennsylvania squirrels. He said, if you can kill six squirrels in one day with a bow, you're a hunter. And then he said to me, and if you can kill six squirrels in a day without those recurves and stuff, you're really a hunter. <laughs> so that is my Go hunting goal in life to okay. be able to kill six squirrels. Most I've ever gotten is three. Okay. Because boy, there's there's a lot of room around those squirrels. Oh, you know? Yeah. Now Vern has since passed away, but my hunting goal sometime in my life is to be able to take six squirrels killed with my recurve and say, There you are, buddy. What do you think of that? But I don't know. That's a that's a tall order. There. It is, it is. I I mean I've squirrel hunted with shotgun and that's mm -hmm. hard enough, but yeah, and it made me think, uh, laugh when you said squirrel Popeye, because uh, my stepdad's rule was if you hunted and killed something, you had to eat. It. Oh yes, and, absolutely. Uh, so and uh, I, we went squirrel hunting. I got squirrels, came home, and I'm. He's like, "All right, we're gonna have squirrel Popeye." And I'm like, "That looks really good. I'm eating, eating crunch." And I hit my first shotgun shot, pellet, and I was like, uh, uh, "I'm not so sure about uh, that." <laughs> uh, I get you loud but, and clear. But uh, but I I learned to eat it, and uh, you know, when I I tell you know folks who don't hunt as much oh yes know, and they're like you eat squirrel and i'm like you know i did i don't oh, so yeah. much anymore but um but uh yeah so that's interesting oh it is it is um we we eat 
all kinds of meat and stuff in our house. Um, do you remember the Beverly Hillbillies? Absolutely. Okay. Well, Granny used to always make possum and sweet potatoes. For, so one day I, call, I talk, called my mom and dad. I said, I want you to come out for Thanksgiving dinner. She said, what are we having? <laughs> and uh, uh, she said, I said, well, we're going to have possum and sweet potatoes. I said, we'll be the only one in York County having possum and sweet potatoes for Thanksgiving. She said, we'll be the only one in the world that's having <laughs> possum and sweet potatoes. So I made, uh, a buddy of mine was a trapper. He got me a couple possum. I cleaned them and everything, put them in the crock pot with sweet potatoes and stuff. But I also made mom and dad a turkey. Okay. Yeah. But the possum was wonderful. It was a light meat. It was not strong. It wasn't stringy. It was just, it was great. But mom and my wife, Doc, didn't, didn't want anything to do with it. But, uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I'd try anything. Um, I've sure. had groundhog. I've had, you know, some yeah. things. I had a, we, uh, a buddy of mine trapped a groundhog on, uh, on my parents' property. And I was like, what are you going to do with that? He's like, I'm going to cook it up and you're going to try it. And there you like, go. Okay. He's like, I'm going to make it so you don't know that it's even groundhog. Nice. And he did like a groundhog stew. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was, I, you know, it was delicious. I, you know, so I, I love it. So I love it. I love it. I try to be as adventurous as I can. Absolutely. But, but uh, you know, uh, I don't get as much game as I used to. Uh, oh, you got a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And since I am retired, um, but I got to tell you, teaching at Eastern American history. Oh, let me tell you this. Um, when I was little, there was only two things that I ever wanted to be. Okay. I wanted to be a pilot and I wanted to be one of the Beatles. And <laughs> I didn't care which Beatle they fired, but I wanted to be a Beatle. Well, then in seventh grade, I had an American history teacher by the name of Donald Thompson. And I went to Eastern. Okay. Uh, and in two days, he changed my whole life. I went in there to that class after two days. I could not wait to get there. He made it so fun. And now he was in charge. But you just, I want to go in and see what we learned today. What, what are we going to learn today? So I came home and told mom and dad. I said, I don't want to be a Beatle anymore. I don't want to be a pilot anymore. I want to teach American history at Eastern High School, just like Mr. Thompson. <laughs> Now, there were other teachers there that played a big role. Ken Stoner and Ben Walker were all teachers. Uh, Dot Workfield that made, made a big impression on me. But Don Thompson is the one that made me want to be an American history teacher. And when I, I went to your college for my bachelor's in Millersville for a master's plus 30. And then when I applied for a teaching position, Eastern's the only place I applied. That's the only place I ever wanted to teach. Mm -hmm. And um, I got hired, and uh, I was in a room up the hall from Don Thompson, and eventually he retired, and I ended up having his classroom, where I had started out from the very beginning. Okay. And when he, before he passed away, I went to his house and told him how he changed my life. So, you know, don't tell me you can't change somebody's life because Don Thompson changed mine in two days. And I, I, I loved it. I loved every moment of, I loved you guys. I, I love my students so much. And I taught for 37 years 
And it was important to me that you guys wanted to come to my class and not have to come to my class. It was okay. It's, education shouldn't be a punishment. It should be a celebration. And, and it's okay to, to laugh in class. It's okay to have humor. I remember one year. Now, I have big ears. What can I say? My ears <laughs> stick out. My ears stick out. I got big ears. Well, one day, one class, I'm standing up there writing on the board. And one of the guys in the class said, Mr. White, could you turn sideways? We can't see the board. Your scoops are in the way. <laughs> well, I laughed and rolled and stuff. So a couple of the faculty members said, didn't that make you mad? Mad? I said, oh, my gosh, I rolled. It was great. Well, then this class got together and made me my own personal Q-tip. And it was giant. It was just great. It was like four feet long for my big scoops. And I hung that up in my classroom. And I was, they said, I can't believe you weren't upset with that. I said, just the fact that they did that for, was just wonderful. I was thrilled to death. And like I said, I miss you guys so much. I 37 years, but then, in all honesty, I got tired of the politics. I got tired of all the junk. Mm -hmm. And I just said, okay, then I'll retire. And I did. And now I suffer through hunting and fishing and kayaking <laughs> and riding my Harley and riding our 1929 Model A Ford and doing a lot of entertaining, speaking and singing in churches and restaurants and reunions and senior centers and stuff like that. And, but I do, I miss you guys so much. And I get very humbled when um, I get invited to class reunions and things. I just got, I was just invited to the class of 93 okay. reunion and was down there and, oh my gosh, laugh and reminisce and stuff. So you guys were a big part of my life. And uh, I mean, I might have taught you things, but you taught me things too. And it's just, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much. And I kind of feel bad for the way it is now. You know, the, it's just not like it used to be. No, they, they've taken a lot of the teaching out of teaching. That's really. exactly right. I said, just, just give me a blackboard or a whiteboard and let me teach my classes. Right. But it's not that way. No, so. no, it's. That's got to be frustrating. And my, my wife is a teacher and she oh, echoes, sure. echoes the same sentiments that, you know, they put so much in your way. It almost, it, it makes it hard to, yep. to just do your job. Wait, well, my wife is a, is a, uh, her name's Krista, but everybody calls her doc. My wife is a graduate nursing research professor at Georgetown University. And I know, you know, even at the upper levels when she's teaching her PhD school or her students, still things get dropped in the way. And, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I know. And I, I don't exactly know why or how it changed, but it sure did. Yeah. Well, I know uh, I, just thinking back to your class and and uh, uh, one of the funniest things I always thought was uh, your lab pass was a, a big metal plate. It was probably, you know, uh, and, and maybe it's smaller than that, but uh, in my memory, big. it was big. And uh, it was definitely almost a deterrent to not go to the bathroom because you don't want to be carrying this big metal <laughs> Orvis plate through the hall. The only worst lab pass was Mr. Ober. Do you know, remember Mr. Ober? And sure. His, he had an anvil. No way. Uh, yeah. A I big did not do that. Anvil, and that was his lab pass. And that thing was so heavy that you're like, I'm not going to. Oh, I yeah, love it. I I'll love hold it. it for an extra period because I'm not carrying that anvil down to the bathroom. That's great. But, well, that, that Orvis... Orvis pass they made down at um, John Wright. 
Okay. And this was a second because they made it for the Orvis Fly Company. And this was a second. And one of the guys down there gave it to me. And I said, it's going to be my lab pass, buddy. Would take, <laughs> and nobody ever asked to go to the lab. They said, can we take Orvis for a walk? Yeah. 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 No, I, I definitely remember that. And uh, um, <laughs> do you remember, um, and, and hopefully it's a good memory. Uh, I think it was my, I, I want to say it was the second to last or last day of, I think my senior year. And uh, some uh, kids knew where you hid your car keys. Oh, <laughs> it was a good memory. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, and I forget whose idea it was at first, but um, it, it was in actually in Mr. Ober's shop class. I had him electric for electricity my senior year. And somebody came up with the idea. They're like, you know what? Um, let's pull Mr. White's truck. Or he had a Jeep Wrangler. Let's pull that, or uh, not a Wrangler, uh, Cherokee. Yep. Let's pull Mr. White's uh, Cherokee in the shop and just take everything that we can unattach out of that car. I mean, we took out the seats. I, I can't even remember. There was not much left. <coughs> the then we drove it back out, parked it in the spot, and then waited for the end of the day. <laughs> and uh, I will never forget the look on your face. And then you're like, all right, put it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I loved it. I rolled. Yeah, the fact that you guys would take the time to do that is priceless. Oh man, I and, love uh, it. Mr. Ober thought it was funny too. I'm right? sure he did. <laughs> yes, I'm sure Mike did think that was pretty funny. Um, Mike was a big Oakland Raiders yep. fan. Oh, we had Raiders quizzes. And oh, like, why do you have to pick the Raiders? Because they never win. You know, <laughs> we have quizzes anytime the Raiders lose. We'd have a quiz, and we had a lot of quizzes. <laughs> I know. Well. Um, one day, and I'm a big Denver Broncos yep, fan. I remember that. Yep. And I like being a Denver Broncos fan now because I don't ever have to worry about the playoffs <laughs> or the Super Bowl or anything like that. I just yeah. just watch. <laughs> so uh, one year, the Raiders played the Broncos four times. Um, twice preseason, once in season, and once in a playoff. And we lost all four. Well, Uber was brutal. I mean, brutal. I came in after that fourth loss. I came into my room, and there were Raider <laughs> helmets hanging everywhere that he had copied on these things. Oh, man. I mean, like a bazillion of them. <laughs> and I went down, and we had a good laugh about it. And I said, but you know, I said, that could come back to bite you. And he said, I don't think so. The next two years, the Broncos won the Super Bowl back-to-back. Now, you don't think I was brutal and paying back. Oh, man. He came in that shop and it was covered with orange and, and blue ribbons. and stuff. Oh, man. Good times. Good yeah, times. Yeah, he was, like. a, I, he was another one of my favorite teachers. So. Yeah. And uh, mm. I, he taught me to play chess. Uh, we used to, Really? Yeah. And if, if you uh, finished your <clears> projects <throat> early, you could play him in chess. While everybody else finished and nice. So yeah, I that's another thing that I learned. But yeah. Are you good? No. Yeah, me either. No. But uh I was good enough at one time we were playing him, and I don't know, at Eastern it was a thing in the shop class to get thrown in the sink. Oh yes. Uh, so, I know of that. And uh and uh I was playing him in chess. All right, my, my friend John was playing him in chess, and I was watching and I said, John, you can take his queen. And Mr. Ober just looked up and he's like, sink him. And all of a sudden, everybody grabs me. No way. Thing. Yeah. I love it. Yep. I Good used to wear, wear like light shorts and a, a light t-shirt so that I could dry quicker. because Oh, that's priceless. 
priceless. Well, I knew that when I was teaching and when I was in school and college and stuff, every minute that I wasn't working, because it took a lot of time to plan all the lessons and stuff like that. And um, every minute I was, I was either hunting, fishing or playing guitar in a band or something like that. But that hunting and fishing just has been such a big part of my life. And um, when you teach me, because when you show on Facebook those big toad smallmouths and all that stuff, then I'm always on messaging you say, well, what about this? What were you using here? Because, you know, I fish for smallmouth too, but I don't do anything like you do. You'll say, well, I was fishing down here with these green pepper tubes and I caught 300 of them and they were all 25 inches and stuff and things. And I'll go take green pepper tubes and go out there and get nothing and well, yeah, sometime we'll have to go together because... Uh, I, yes, we know, will. Uh, like I always say, if, if you can and teach somebody something, you're going to learn a lot yourself. But yes. If you know enough to teach it, then yes. you know it pretty Absolutely. well in and out. So. Well, you teach me how to do that, and then I'll teach you how to fly fish. Uh, that sounds awesome because that is definitely on my to-do list. Good. You know, um, I have two little fishing stories, if I can tell yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. The first one is, are you familiar with stone cats? Oh, yeah. Okay. Buddy of mine and I put in at Goldsboro one time, and we came down to the York Haven Dam, and we tied up our kayaks at the top of the dam. And it was pretty cool because the top of the dam is really wide, but there's only about this much water goes over the top. There was an older man and a woman and a dog. They had a boat there. They had a picnic table and two lawn chairs on top of the dam, sitting there having lunch right? It was great. I loved it. So we just got there and we were getting out because there was an old rope there. You could climb down over the dam and fish. And you just left your boats tied up there and nobody ever bothered me. There was another boat there when we got there and we started down over and here come these two guys up the rope and they had five gallon buckets and each one of them had three walleyes in. And I saw them, and those walleyes were hanging out over those buckets. They must have been 26, 20, 30 inches long, and I was there. My God, where did you get them? He said, oh, they're all over the place. <laughs> and he said, but you got to use a secret bait. And I said, would you tell me what the secret bait is? And he said, sure. He said, do you know what a stone cat is? I do. He said, that's all you need. That's the best smallmouth live bait, the best walleye bait ever. And I said, well, where do you get your stone cats? He said, there's a small creek not too far from here that's loaded with them. And I said, I suppose you wouldn't know. He said, I'm not doing <laughs> that, buddy. He said, I would never do that and stuff. So I started this quest to find a stream around that has stone cats in it. I have, I have failed. Now, one of the other guys I know lives up near... Uh, Juniata River up near Thompson Town. Yep. He moved up there. We were talking one day and he fishes up at Juniata and he fishes stone cats mm -hmm. up there. He said, there's a lot in the Juniata River. I said, well, I'm not driving the Juniata River to get some stone cats for bait. And he said, I'll give you a stone cat lesson. I'll teach you. I said, okay. So one day after work, he drove down. And I have a friend that has a, that lives just above the new new 30 bridge. Okay. And when I get wading out there and stuff, I, I just park at his house and I go out there. 
So I met him there and told him how to get there. So I met him there and he had a bucket with about six or eight stone cats in it. And I had a bucket of minis. True story. And we waited out and there was one big rock there and he sat on the rock and he laid his rod down and he had this mini bucket in there with these stone cats. And I said, aren't you going to fish? And he said, I said, I'm going to watch you. He said, you use the minis. Now he said, he looked around. He said, it's nice water. But he said, where's your favorite place? And I said, there's a deep run out here. I said, it's probably about 50 yards long. I said, it might be another 30 yards out there. And I said, I really like the way down along the fish head. He said, go ahead and fish it. I said, I'm going to watch. Okay. So I started up at the top with minis. And I fished down through this run. I caught two smallies, probably about 12, 13 inches. And he comes in, I come in, and he goes, now I want you to use the stone cats, fish the same water. I went out there with a stone cat, and I fished the same water, and I had 14 smallmouth, and they were all like 14, 15, 16 inches in the same water that I had just fished with those minis, and they went nuts on those stone cats. Hmm. So... I was in it, I don't know, Walmart one day, and I saw a rubber stone cat. I thought, oh, well, I got that. That was nothing. <laughs> that, that was nothing. So my quest has been to try to find a stream with stone cats in, and I just have not. I, I remember reading an article on building like a, almost like a circle uh, dam almost. Like they, they take rocks and they build them in a circle, and somehow the stone cats end up trapped in there. Really? I, and, I, I, and I've never done it. I just remember reading an article because I was reading, you know, that stone cats are on this amazing bait. And I've never even seen a stone cat. I know what it looks like. And I have baits that mimic it. But yes, I've never seen a live one before. And it's not just a baby catfish. Yeah. You know, it's a whole other species. Yes. When you get a stone cat that's about that long, that's a maximum adult. Okay. Know? Okay. Um, but there, I remember those two lessons when I was like, oh, my gosh. And I even asked. Uh, fish commission and guys and stuff. I don't know where you're going to find stone cats and stuff. Now, the guy up at um, Juniata, they take one of the big coffee cans and they nail a board to the back of it. And then they drill some holes in it and they paint the inside black. And they just put it down in there in a the river alongside some rocks or stuff. And then they lift the rocks up. And the stone cats see that black hole and they just swim right in there. And then they lift it up and the water runs out and there's stone cats. I've heard of that too. Yeah. Well, that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and, and I've, I've gone like looking for crayfish and stuff. Yes. And you know, I, you know, usually that's almost the same way I look for crayfish. Sure. But uh, I, I have never seen stone cats. So nope. up at the Conawaga to uh, Sane for Helgramites and crayfish mm -hmm. and stuff. But Helgramites are another big, small. Oh, you bet your buddy. Yeah. Yep. Um, of all the baits that are out there, a little leery about Helgram weights <laughs> and a little leery about leeches. Oh, yeah. So those yeah. things are just. They work, but yeah, yeah they do. Not always fun. Same with like even blood worms. You know, Garrett fish with blood worms, like that's more of a saltwater bait. I don't know anything about saltwater. Okay. So uh, where I go, where we go crabbing, sometimes we, we go down and fish there as well. And. Um, one of the things that works the best for saltwater or brackish water where the crabs are is bloodworms. And, but bloodworms get their name because they suck blood. 
So when really, and when they're alive, like I don't know if you remember the movie Alien with that. Where oh yes, a mouth opens and yes, a, another yes, mouth yes, comes yes, out. Yes, yes, that bloodworms have that same. No thing. way. Their, their mouth opens and this other part with more teeth comes out. Now they're tiny. They're yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like an earthworm, but with. This well, thing. how do you get them? I'm not sure. I, we buy them at the bait store. Bait yeah. bait shop. Yeah, but you can totally when you're if you're rigging them, you got to watch out because they'll they'll come out and latch onto you. So <laughs> that part just freaks me out. Yes, I'm they sure work. it does. They work. The fish know them and eat them, and so. Oh man, well, <clears throat> I know very little about saltwater. Now you obviously know a great deal. I'm not about saltwater. <laughs> There's uh, we have a show, uh, a saltwater segment on our podcast, uh, okay. and um, uh, my buddy Dustin runs that, and he is a saltwater wizard. You were talking about redfish. He, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the redfish whisperer. He's always really pictures of you know monster redfish. And where does he live? Florida. Okay. So, yeah. So we're been <laughs> spread all over the country. We have guys in Florida and. And uh, Alabama, nice. and uh, yeah, so um, so yeah, but uh, Dustin's down in. So have you been down to fish I for redfish yet? I have. That is definitely another one of my bucket lists. So well, I'll tell you the flies. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's I I I'm impressed. <clears throat> you know, that sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, it is. It is. It is. Um, one year, the uh, teachers went down on a campground thing at a place called Indian River. Yep. Now I. You know, I remember, I don't know anything about saltwater, but I wanted to catch a sea trout, a flounder, and a bluefish. I didn't care how big they were. I just wanted to be able to catch one of them. So um, one, of my, one of the guys I know um, told me to go to a tackle shop down there called Harry's. And he said, um, I'll loan you some rods and stuff and blah, blah, blah. Go down and tell Harry what you want. And said, okay. So I get down. I had his rods and his tackle box with saltwater stuff in it. So I went to Harry's and I told him what I wanted to do. And he said, well, he said, what would you like to catch first? Well, first he said, do you have a boat? Because he said, if you have a boat, it's a lot easier. But I said, nope, I don't. He said, what do you want to catch first? And I said, okay, how about a flounder? He said, okay. So he, he sold me these funny looking curvy hooks and some squid and these big sinkers. And he said, I want you to go up the north side of Indian River toward the Coast Guard station. He said, and just cast it out and let, well, I don't know anything about tides. But when I got there, I mean, this water was running out toward the ocean, I guess. Yeah. So I fire in and in no time at all, it's right in here side of me. So I put another sinker and I cast out, and it's going a little slower and stuff, and I felt this resistance. I said, oh, my God, and I brought it in and had a crab, <laughs> but I said, I got a crab. I caught a crab, so I worked around with him and got him off. So then, <clears throat> a couple casts later, the line stopped, and I thought, I'm stuck, and I tightened up, and I went like this, and this thing went <laughs> heading toward the ocean, and I'm like, Oh my God. And it's going, and this is this big stuff, right? Yeah. Peeling the drag and peeling the drag. And I'm trying to tighten the drag. Oh, so I started trying to crawl down the rocks after. And he's taking off for England. And he, <laughs> he's going and going and going. And I see the line getting smaller and smaller on here. And I'm watching and watching. I'm trying to catch up to him. Finally, he gets down to the end of the line and the line tears and off he goes. Oh. And I never found out 
what it was. Now, I'll tell you how much I knew about saltwater. I thought, did, did I get a whale? Could there be a whale that got up in here? And stuff? Seen, That's how stupid I I've was. I've seen dolphins in there. <clears throat> did you really? In Indian River Inlet. <clears throat> I, yeah. have, I have videos on my phone of dolphins. We're out in there in a little bass tracker, and dolphins are jumping. Really? Right there, so you never know. Well, I went back to Harry, and I told Harry my experience. He said, you probably hooked the big ray. And so he said, well, we'll get you set up, and you can go back. I said, no, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I said, I didn't like that. He said, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to get next? I said, how about a sea trap? He said, okay. So I bought 10 bucktails mm -hmm. with red plastic worms on the back. And he said, I want you to go down to the North Jetty at Indian River. He said, do you have spiked shoes to wade out on the rocks? I said, no, I don't. And he said, well, he said, you wade out on the rocks when they're dry. But he said, if that tide he said, you get out of there, because he said, that'll wash off. He said, just fire them in, fire them in, bring them in, not too fast. I think I made 11 casts and lost all 10 rigs in the rocks <laughs> down there, and I thought, what? This is baloney, man. <laughs> so I go back to Harry, <clears throat> and uh, he said, well, do you want some more bucket? No, I don't want any more of that stuff. Man. So I said, I want to catch a bluefish. He said, okay. So he got me a bucktail and a strip of squid, some squids and some more bucktail. He said, at daylight tomorrow, I want you to go down on the beach. I think it was Bethany Beach, but I'm not positive. And uh, it wasn't Ocean City, Maryland. It was Bethany Beach. And he said, just stand out there and start firing into that breakers and stuff like that. Okay. So I, I headed down there at daylight. Well, buddy, I'll tell you what, there's some strange folks down there at daylight on the mm -hmm. beach that you see wandering around down there. <laughs> So I get down and I wade out and I'm firing this stuff in. And all of a sudden I felt this whoop, and I set the hook and, it, and I had my tackle box behind me. It was all open. I had the squid and everything. And I'm bringing this in. I thought, oh my God, it's a fish. And I got it in and I got it in. And I saw, I had this fish. It was about that long. And I held it and I saw it had good teeth. So there was a guy up above me a little ways fishing. And I go running up like a kid with this. I said, <laughs> hey, buddy. I said, can you tell me what that is? He said, well, that would be a bluefish. He said, we call them snapper blues because they're smaller and things like that. And I said, oh, my gosh, I, I was so excited. And he helped me let it go. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, by the way, is that your tackle box down there? And I looked back. There must have been a thousand seagulls <laughs> on that tackle box. They were ripping it apart. And the, and the squid was gone and the lures were all. I went running down through there. I packed everything all up. Took it home, gave or back the thing, and that was the end of my saltwater fishing <laughs> experience. <clears throat> Except when we were down here fly fishing for redfish. But other than that, I'd rather be on a Susquehanna or Troutman or Crappian or something like that. We uh, we take a trip to North Carolina every other year, so that's in the about, salt, and we go. We stay right on the beach, and usually every morning I go down and fish in the surf for for whatever I can catch. Mm -hmm. um, same thing, and. Uh, I've been to Indian River a few times with my father-in-law. We used to stay every other year in Bethany, um, so we would go fish the inlet. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've caught a few uh, pretty nice flounders there. Really? Yep, yep. It took us a long time to figure out what, how to do it, but uh, we found that just using um, uh, two bucktails, um, basically tied one near the bottom, or we use a weight on the very bottom, and then uh, one bucktail about maybe six inches up from that, and then another 
uh, bucktail maybe. And is there bait on the bucktail? Yeah, usually either a strip of squid or something. And and but you want the weight just enough that it'll bop 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 along. Uh, and um, the thing with flounder is they're they're ambush hunters. So um, and but they they'll go and grab it and then take it a little bit, drop it, and then pick it up and eat it. So you can't really. You have to let them take it. So you almost got to feel the bite, let them take it, and when they stop the second time, that's when you set it because that's when they actually eat it and it gets really in their mouth. They're just kind of carrying it uh, when they're when they first hit it. They carry it away and then stop and eat it. So if you no way if you set the hook when you when they first hit, a lot of times you'll just pull it right out of their mouth because they're just kind of carrying it. But when you when they stop, then then you set the hook after they stop and then you usually get them. Never heard of that before. Huh. Well, I know I spent a bunch of money down there at Harry's. Oh, I when we the first couple times we went down there before we took the bass boat down, um, we uh, we fished from the rocks a lot and didn't have a ton of luck because there's supposedly stripers there too, mm. uh, big stripers, and uh, and uh, I, I lost a lot of uh, jigs and stuff oh. and, and those rocks. It is rocky and uh, and it was funny that you know we took the the bass boat out and the one uh, uh, fishing game guy drove by us. And my father-in-law was like, you know, are we allowed to take this out past the past the bridge? And he's like, well, you can, but I'll be coming out to get you then because your boat's not going to make it out there. Really? Yeah. So because it was just a little bass tracker, you know. And he's like, if you have a bigger boat, obviously you can go out there. But he's like, I want to take that out there. So well, we I stayed. That, that tide coming out of there was scary, oh, man. Well, my father-in-law one time, he's, he's like, well, I'm going to see just how far out we can go. And I, I was you know, holding on. Sure. To, I was like, okay, that's far enough. Let's turn around. And he didn't make it too far before his uh, better senses took over. And Absolutely. Turned around. But yeah, we did, we did, we've done pretty well. in did the you really? Um, yeah. And uh, for Flounder, yeah. You I, still you know, go down. Uh, we haven't been for the, a little bit because he bought a house northern PA. So now that's where we mm. almost always vacation. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, for our, probably like five years in a row, we were, uh, kind of fishing down at the inlet and that was fun i mean um i still don't catch as much from the surf but there in the inlet we did pretty good so. hmm. um where is he in northern pa um elkland hmm. um it's it's uh up off 1115 uh uh you know where mansfield is sure it's, it's probably a maybe 20 minutes 30 minutes from mansfield so. good well then i have a challenge for you a wise one all right uh, out between Mansfield and, and Wellsboro, there's a place called Tioga Hammonds Lake. I, I have fished Tioga Hammonds Lake. Well, Doc and I do a lot of panfish fishing. Yep. Love it. So we went up this past, I guess it was last week in August. We rented a place up there to go up and fish for crappies because we heard how great the crappie fishing is. So we took our boat and we went up and... Uh, um first day we were are we okay for time yeah, yep i was just checking okay <laughs> we're good we're good if i'm running at the mouth no you no you're me. good yeah it's good stuff okay so we went up there took the boat and <clears throat> we went out in tioga hammonds hammonds we went out in hammonds and we're driving around with a fish locator there are fish everywhere everywhere every place there was structure there was fish cracking fish the whole week we were there doc caught one little bluegill, one little largemouth. I did not have a bite, and Doc didn't have a bite except for those absolutely nothing. So there was um, 
bait shop there and we went in the bait shop and told the guy and he goes i don't know what it is he said end of august beginning of september he said they all get locked on hmm. he said now you come up here in the spring he said they'll be in line waiting to grab something but he said did you see many fishermen i said we hardly saw any fishermen he goes they know about it he said i said we saw some guys throwing for bass but he, I said, the panfish, he goes, I don't know what it is. I said, well, they have to eat. But I don't know. So we spent a week up there, and I didn't have a strike the whole week. It was. I was going to say, I, I, you, I, I have fished there. I haven't done well there. Um, and and it's weird. Like, we, we go up uh, 4th of July a lot. And so I know one of the times I fished there was 4th of July, and there was not that many fishermen. I And I fished. Um, probably a good eight hours, and I, I think I might have caught two bass, and that was it. And it, but it's a huge lake, and it looks like it should have plenty. Oh of, yeah, it has a nice railroad that goes by. Yeah, um, that's uh, a fun little vacation getaway. If you want to take a ride on the railroad, you can do that, and uh, they go out and back. I think mm -hmm. I that's right. Yeah. In fact, we're doing that this weekend down in West Virginia. Okay. We're going down on the Potomac Eagle. It's my my wife's birthday and we're going to go down Friday and stay in New, uh, Cumberland, Maryland. Okay. And then we have about a 20 mile ride to the Potomac Eagle railroad. And there's a nine hour railroad ride on Saturday. Um, and then we're going to come home Sunday. We'll find a place to go to church Sunday morning down there and then come home Sunday. But that's, that's, I know exactly where that railroad is. Yeah. It there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the great fireworks there. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Now, are you familiar at all with Wellsboro? Yeah. Okay. Are you familiar with Harlan's? Harlan's. Okay. That one I don't know. Next time you're in Wellsboro. Okay. You know where the Wellsboro Diner is? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we were up there one time and went to the diner for breakfast. And we came out and there's this older gentleman sitting on the steps there, big white beard and stuff. And I walked over past him and he said, uh, how was your breakfast? And I said, ah. I said, it was all right. I said, it seems more like of a tourist place. Then and I said, of course, we're tourists. But <laughs> I said, now, why don't you tell me where the locals eat? And he chuckled a little, little bit. He said, they eat at Harlan's. So if here's the main drag and here's the Wellsboro Diner, you go down that street, a side of the diner, about a half a block, and there'll be a little side street that goes up. It'll actually be the street that's in back of the stores that's on the main mm -hmm. thing. Okay. Yep. And you look up there, you'll see this little restaurant up there called Harlan's. Walk in there. It's got little red and white checkered tablecloths before, and the locals are all in there. And it is just the neatest place. Mm -hmm. Every time my buddies had some camps up there in Tioga stuff. Yep, that's where our, I have a cunning camp right on the Tiger Potter line. Or, uh, Do you? Yep. Well, I told them all about this. Now, they all go to Harlan's, especially Friday nights for the fish and macaroni and cheese and stuff. But if you ever get up there and you get a chance, go to Harlan's and I will definitely. That'll be uh, my next next time I'm through Wellsboro. I will stop in. Good. That's a cool little town. Oh, there are my wife. Now we live rural out here in the country and stuff, but there's two towns that my wife said she could live in, and one of them is Boiling Springs. Okay. And the other one is Wellsboro. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, very nice. It is a nice, uh, nice town, and I. Uh, I want to tell you my smallmouth story. Oh, yeah. You've been telling me about that for a while. Yeah. This is one of my finer moments. I don't have a lot of them. <laughs> we went. Have you ever fished Lake Wall and Pack? 
I've heard of it, but I've never fished it. We wanted to fish Lake Wall and Paul Pack. So we rented a place up there, took our canoes or our kayaks. Okay. So we got there and we're, we got all our bass stuff and our panfish stuff. And just as we got to the ramp, it was probably maybe five o'clock in the afternoon. As we got to the ramp, you'll be familiar with this. Here come all these boats, skeeters and rangers and stuff in it. Oh man, they come into these big motors and all stuff. And it was a tournament. Oh yeah. So we're just putting our kayaks in when all these big guys, these big boats and stuff come in on the tournaments and it's a bass tournament. So we're talking to some of the guys and stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I'm asking them, what are they using? And they're telling me, oh, I like chatterbaits and this and that and the other thing. And so I'm fishing Senkos. I like Senkos. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so we take our kayaks and we go out along the shore one of the shores, a lot of brush hanging over. And we thought, well, we'll just plug the shoreline, just see if we can get anything. And we weren't getting anything. But there's a lot, there was a good many docks there. So then we heard these boats fire up. And they came out on that lake. And I mean, it's pretty good sized lake. And they were scattered out everywhere, you know. So we're going up through. And I said, you know, this is stupid. I said, let's catch a mess of bluegills under these docks. And we'll just fillet them and have some for supper. So we go over to these docks and we're flipping. We had our trout rods and we had a little hook with a little piece of worm one. And we're flipping in and, and getting these it's pretty nice bluegills and we're calling them. I said, well, we'll keep maybe eight or ten of them or something and we'll call. So we're there at this one dock and there's this one bush, just one little bush right there. And I get in there and I flip in this little piece of worm under this bush and the line goes and I set the hook and it goes oh my god I said if this is if this is a, a bluegill buddy this is a serious bluegill and it goes out on and goes out and fighting around I'm fighting with it I'm fishing two pound test that's what I fish for for trout and stuff and I'm fighting and fighting and I get it in and here's this big smallie it's uh, now this probably won't mean anything to you because of the toads you catch, but it was just right around 18 on two pound test on two pound test. That's, that's and pretty impressive. I brought this in and I said, Oh man, look at this. So I said, I'm no, we could have killed it. Mm -hmm. I said, but I'm, I'm not killing. I'm, uh, I said, but what we're going to do is I said, we're going to put a little, I had a little stringer with me and I said, we're going to put a stringer through it, tie it onto the boat. And I said, <clears throat> we'll just let him there. And when we go back to the dock, I said, I want to show these guys back there. So I know you'd have been proud of me, buddy. <laughs> well, I go back to the dock and these guys we're sitting there and hanging out a little bit. And these guys are coming in and I made it a point to talk to every one of them. How'd you do? We didn't catch anything. How'd you do? I caught one nine inch large mouth, blah, 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 blah. And said, nobody, nobody got anything. And then, they were standing around there a little bit, and the guy goes, how'd you do? I said, I got this one. <laughs> well, they said bad things to, oh, to, I bet. to me. And they go, where'd you get it on? <laughs> a little piece of night crawler. And a, and Did a they believe fire. you? Huh? Did they believe you? Yeah, I said, oh. here's the hook. I showed you it was a size 14 hook. We, we were fishing for bluegills, and I showed him the bluegills. And I said, I caught this, and he said, you know, 
He said, if you'd have been fishing artificials, yes, and you'd have joined or entered that tournament, you'd have won the, won the tournament because nobody else got nobody anything. Else got anything. And I held that thing up and I thought, I bet my buddy'd be loving this, man. So I just untake the rope and put him down in the water at a brush pile and then let him go. But that was I couldn't wait to get back in there and see how those guys did. That's awesome. So it was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool fishing trip. But then then it ended. Huh, we uh on the way back from that night, there was a little ice cream shop there. We stopped in and had a little ice cream, got back to the house, and then we're sitting there watching a little TV, and Doc said, I don't feel very well. And I said, you know, I don't feel very well either. And we both ended up in the hospital with food poisoning. Oh, no. Yeah. From the ice cream, that's the only oh, thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know if it was bad milk or not, but oh, man. Now, she was worse than I was, but it was, we both had food poisoning and ended up, that was the end of the trip. I don't think I ever heard of getting food poisoning from ice cream. I know. That's, that's well, We never scary. fought. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So... But I, I would be interested for you to go up, fish Lake Wall and Paul Pack. And where is that? Like, refresh my memory. Uh, near the Poconos. Okay. Up above the Poconos. It's, um, it's actually, yeah, it's in Pennsylvania. Okay. But um, it's a big lake. I mean, they have water skiers and all that stuff in there. Beautiful, beautiful lake. Um, but it's that, and I am so glad. You have no idea how glad I am that you didn't do very well on Hammond's Lake, buddy. <laughs> I, I, no, man, I, I don't know what it was. I and I thought I when I I we stopped there. My my kids they have a beach area there. Oh yeah. And so my wife and kids and my in laws were well. We're just gonna hang out at the beach. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're cool hanging out there, I'm bringing the kayak. I drove separate through the kayak to the back of the truck, and then while they were hanging out on the beach all day, I just fished. And sure. I was like, Oh man, there's so many amazing places here. Yes, you know, and and I didn't have gorgeous lake. Much luck, yeah. Oh yeah, and there, but like you said, there wasn't many boats out. And uh, I mean that that fish locator just lit up mm -hmm. underneath there with every like you could get a map and it would show you where all the things are. Every one of them just like had a bazillion fish on there, and mm -hmm. lower everything right down in amongst them, and nothing. Mm -hmm. so. I was trying to think of what the, uh, what's the, what's the town that does the fireworks? Galton. Galton. Oh yeah. Just uh, Lyman Run is down. Oh, yes, I know exactly where it is. Lyman Lake and Lyman yeah, Lake. Sure. I, I've I've had much better luck on Lyman Lake than I have on Hammond. So I, if really? I have a choice, I go to Lyman because I've had way more luck. Uh, you can catch trout there. You can catch bass and panfish. So. Really? Yeah, I've had way more luck on better luck on Lyman than I have on. On Tiger Hand, yeah. To, to the hmm. point that that's where, if I can, I'll go there. But that's a little bit of a further hike from. Or it's close to our hunting camp, um, but from our my in laws' new house, it's it's a probably forty five minute hour drive. So, well, I can tell you a little secret about Lyman Lake, but I'm just going to tell you because I'm not <laughs> going to tell you tell you with a bunch of people listening. But I would tell you after we're done. <laughs> well, I, I watched a video of a guy catching a 10 pound bass out of Lyman Lake. And I didn't believe it until no. I watched the video. If you search YouTube, you will find a video of a guy catching a 10 pound bass out of Lyman Lake. And you can tell right where he caught it too, because that's not a huge lake. Right, right, right. And uh, you, if you watch the video, you'll see right exactly where he catches it. So 
I have fished that spot and I have caught bass, but no 10 pound bass. Did you so, see beaver? Uh, Usually up at the upper end of the beaver swimming around slapping their tails and stuff. I don't think I've ever seen a beaver there. Oh, hmm. you know, oh, at the far end where yeah. it gets real or, shallow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I've never seen a beaver there, but I have been up at that end. I, I usually, um, I have more luck down on the, where the dam kind of thing ends. Sure. But yeah. Yep. It's, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous lake. Um, we used to go up there and camp and stuff mm -hmm. like that and just nice place. But the, um, that's that smallmouth story. I've been that's the one I've been wanting to tell you for a long that's time. That's very cool. And you know what? As a tournament angler, um, when I see people do that, uh, there will be times where I'm just begging to catch a fish, and then a osprey or something will come down and just oh, grab one and go. Yes, and I'm like, come on. Yes, I yes. need that. I needed that fish. You know. Yes, I know. Down on on the Susquehanna, I see eagles doing it. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's. When you fish your tournaments on the Susquehanna River, do you put in at long level? It depends. Now, the, the tournament that I won this year, I, I finally won my first tournament. I know. I saw it. And that was, uh, it was from York Haven Dam was the north boundary and uh, Conowingo, or no, no, Safe Harbor was the south boundary. So you had to be in between those two. So I did. I put in at, at the Raidsville Inn and, uh, and that's, I fished up above or up to the 30 bridge and then way down to the the islands below the rocks there mm -hmm. uh, below wrightsville and uh is it a one are they one day tournaments or ours is yeah and uh best five fish and uh, so and so you go wherever you want to go in that stretch in that stretch yep hmm. yeah so and then and so that's the one i won but we have we have uh tournaments that are you know all up and down susquehanna we have one on the juniata so i fished the juniata this year and yeah and it's already officials uh, yep, yep. Uh, Say catch, cats. No. <laughs> well, I have, I have. I'll show you when we go up. I, I was showing him in my garage the the tackle store up there. But yeah, buddy. I'll show you some artificial stone cats that uh, I have not had luck on. No, me either. Really good. And those things, those rubber stone cats, you lay them there. They look like they're going to swim away. They mm -hmm. look so real. They do they do? And just I don't know if it's the smell or I don't know, but and you can catch. You can catch bass after bass after bass on one stone cat. Oh yeah, yeah. You know they're tough as anything, mm -hmm. but I don't know. It's um, it's frustrating. So my quest goes on for a stream with stone cats in it. Well, if you find it, let me know because I, I would will. like to just a fish at one time just to see uh, what it, what it, you know what a fishing a. Well, no, I so tell you. So. Um, um, we had an interesting. Uh, time i guess it was a year before last you're familiar with peacock bass mm -hmm. well i wanted to catch peacock bass on a fly rod okay i want to catch a peacock bass period but well <laughs> we flew down to brazil oh wow and flew up the amazon to a side river and we stayed up in the jungle for a week fish fly fishing for peacock bass okay and there were several of us and we caught a few fish shy of 2,000. Oh, wow. While we were there. Uh, biggest were around 15 pounds. Okay. And, I mean, we're right there with the alligators and the piranhas and stuff, but whew, it was great. And we went in October, and there was no bugs. But that area has two seasons, hot and more hot. <laughs> and it was so hot, but we'd go out with a guide. Doc and I were in the boat and stuff. We'd go out, and we'd just head back one of these little creek things and stuff and we were both fly fishing but we also had spinning rods there 
throwing jigs, red and black air jigs. Hmm. So we're, <clears throat> we're out there and I tied a bunch of big streamers and I'm there casting his land and everybody speaks Portuguese, but you can make yourself understood. So I'm standing there and I'm flat and I'm bringing this in, bringing this in. And he's going more fast, more fast, more fast. You got to strip like this because they're very aggressive and stuff. And they go, and you just going and bam, you know, oh, and just gorgeous. But they're, they have these dolphins in the, in the river that are pink and big, I mean, big dolphins. And they feed on the peacock bass. Okay. So when you're fighting a peacock bass in, the guide has a pole and he's pushing the dolphins away because <laughs> they're after the peacock bass. Well, then when you get it in, you got to go into shore and let it go in the bushes. Otherwise, they'll just they'll have it right away because it's tired and stuff. Yeah. So that was one of my big goals to go up oh, there. Yeah. And we flew down to flew down to Manaus, Brazil, and then we took a little float plane and flew up. Um, into the jungle and it, it was it was great i loved it i loved it um so that sounds awesome that i'd like to do i'd like to catch all the bass species like the, all the black bass species and mm -hmm. uh, that is one another bucket list item for me so well, how many are there eight i think eight um there's uh yeah there's the peacock there's a sholey um i'm trying to think of there's a kentucky no, uh, uh, there's different strains. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. So I, but I, I, again, I don't know all of them, but no, striped bass in with that or no, I think that's separate. Okay. I, I think, um, uh -huh. uh, cause I think they're related to a different, they're not in the black bass family. I got think. it. Um, you know, uh, viewers, you guys can correct me, um, you know, comment on the videos and let me know. Um, but, uh, we can do some Googling then too, but, but yeah, so definitely that's, what about a red eye? Is that? Oh yeah, I think uh, yeah. Is that yeah. part of the bass yeah, family? Yes, yes, yep. Well, red eye and and large mouth and small mouth, and the peacock. That's all I know. But um, there's another thing. I always loved the fish for red eyes. Yeah, I love fishing for red eyes, and now you can't find red eyes anywhere. Yeah, not not around here. Um, I fished uh, Deep Creek Lake in Maryland. I know exactly where it is. And uh, I caught a lot of red eye there. Really? Yes. But uh, but yeah. Huh. No, I I I always enjoyed it. And then you'd kill some and fillet, and they were fat and had nice fillets on them, those little buggers, and it's just, it was just great. But now. Yeah. Used to be up on the yellow breaches when you'd fish, if you'd find a tree big roots hanging out over man all you had to do is just drip the bait in underneath there and you get red eyes mm -hmm. but they're just gone i'd like to find more creek fish or creek bass uh that's one of the things that uh i've heard like even uh the yellow breaches up like by messiah and stuff sure i've talked to a few people that kayak up there and said yeah you can get smallmouth and that's right in the creeks there i just never done it i i i don't even uh I, I'm not sure of where the put-ins and takeouts are. They, there's Facebook groups and stuff that it is one of the things I'd like to try because I've heard that the you know the bass fish is not bad for a creek. So oh, hey. I, I'd like to try it. So that's on another bucket list. But uh, stone cats. Stone cats. <laughs> 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 no, don't worry. The whole internet isn't listening right now. <laughs> ah, nice. But uh, I love it. <laughs> well, um, I know. Uh, uh, We've talked a little bit that now you you like to do shows or like uh, performances and stuff. Um, you know a lot of local stuff, and um, 
you you sing and uh you know some of my other memories like uh um when i was in i want to say 11th grade um i had a we had a classmate who uh took his own life and it was he was on my baseball team um i knew him very well and uh you know to this day at his funeral you sang a song I did. Um, that said uh, it was called my buddy would have wanted it that way i'm not sure what the title was but i know that was the refrain that kept mm-hmm. coming up and yeah. uh and that that stuck with me and to this day i can still remember that song and um been to a few other things i you came to my parents church for a game dinner and and i remember and that and yeah um you told the joke about uh the phone calls to heaven. Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so that's uh, one of my favorite jokes to repeat too. But uh, well, you gotta have a good time in life. There's life's too short to be grumpy. Oh, amen. You know, you gotta have a good time and agitate and devil and stuff. And the problem is with people who can dish it out but then can't take it. Right. You know that infuriates me. You know and stuff. But yeah, I'm playing all the time and speaking and singing in churches and playing at restaurants and uh, bars, even though I don't drink alcohol, I go in play at bars and stuff. I love entertaining at senior centers and, and weddings and reunions and all that sort of stuff. I just play it all the time and nobody ever even threw me out. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Well, I wanted to give the folks an opportunity to, to hear you play. And, I can uh, do that. So uh, explain the, the song, first of all, just where how you came up with it, because I thought that was an interesting story. Too. Okay. I write a lot of my own material. And um, one day on our farm at our farmhouse out on the porch, I was sitting playing guitar and I looked down across the valley down toward Route 30 and Lamar Advertising is down there. And they have this they had this one of those great big giant American flags waving and there was a breeze and I was sitting there on the farmhouse and I was watching this flag and it was just waving and waving and it was just so majestic and i looked at that and looked at that flag and i thought you know and i'm a very patriotic person so i was looking at that flag and looking at that flag and i thought you know i think i ought to write a song about that flag i'm good i'm good so i got some paper and and brought the guitar out and i just sat there and looked at this and i just sat there and looked at this flag and the words just came to me. The melody just came to me and it's called still flying, still flying proud. And uh, I've sung it at lots of patriotic things like that. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to play it. All right. In the early morning light, you see her waiting. Standing there prepared and at hand In the cities and the towns she's on duty Another day of watching for our land Now the breeze will come and bring her to attention she waves good morning to the passers-by. She's serving at this post and never failing. 
always outlined high against the sky. Banner standing boldly, dignity to save for the land of the free and a home of the brave. For she's still blind and proud, strong as could be, high above America for all the world to see. Though she's tattered and torn, most definitely, through it all she's still blind free. Through the rain and the storm, she is keeping vigil from the top her sturdy mast. Eager eyes are watching and waiting, always knowing she is holding fast. From time to time she calls out for assistance, help her to protect freedom's craft, for men and women to defend her virtue, and stand at arms till danger passes by. She will not surrender, ever in our sight, throughout the brightest day, and throughout the darkest night, oh, she's still blind and proud, strong as could be, high above America, for all the world to see. Though she's tattered and torn, most definitely, through it all, she's still blind free. Old glory proud and old glory true, shedding a tear for the red, white, and blue. Those who have served, oh, some heard the call, some gave a lot and some gave it all. There are those in our land who condemn her, burn her and scorn without reprieve. They mock her and the land that she stands for, but the one thing they never do is leave. So with tears in my eyes, I salute her. She flies o'er the mountains and the shore. A symbol of commitment to freedom. And the stars and stripes will fly forevermore.
founded on adventure, oh, way back when. Oh, God bless America again and again, for oh, she's still flying proud, strong as could be, high above America for all the world to see. Though she's tattered and torn, most definitely, through it all she's still lying free. Through it all she's still flying free. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to play it. No problem, man. Thank you for letting me be here. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, my brother. Thank you so much. Oh, you betcha, my brother. Love you, man. Love you, too. <sighs> All right, guys. Well, um, I wanted to give you a chance to shout out. I know you mentioned um, uh, Yellow Breaches. Yellow Breaches. Um, they uh, they uh, do a lot. Yes, uh, they do. They're Yellow Breaches Anglers is a conservation society uh, club up in Bowling Springs. We have a nursery. We raise 40,000 trout a year and stock them in the Yellow Breaches uh, public water. It's all volunteer. We have everything from special needs tournaments uh, to uh, kids fishing derbies. And um, it takes a lot of money and a lot of time to raise 40,000 trout. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, tomorrow morning, we get our next little batches of little fingerling guys. And uh, we do a bunch of stockings throughout the year. Um, but it's all volunteer. And the Yellow Breaches would not be the Yellow Breaches without the Yellow Breaches anglers. Because, And I get it. I mean, the state's done at the spring. But we do a lot of stockings. We do a fall and a winter. And uh, if... Um, if you guys are trout fishermen or gals are trout fishing and uh, you're interested in the yellow breeches, why check our website out and uh, join and get involved. Very, very cool. I know uh, uh, the yellow breeches is like, uh, uh, you know, it's known, you know, I want to say worldwide as a world-class trout fishery. Yes. And, and uh, some of the trout that I've seen come out of there are amazing. Yes. We, and, uh, we stocked here a couple of weeks ago and, we stocked about 30, 3,400, I think it was. And we float stop, stock everything, um, 3,400. And out of them, probably about, I don't know, 20 maybe were 8 to 10 pounders. And they're, uh, it's, it's a lot. But like I said, it takes a lot of money and a lot of time and stuff. Um, so we're always looking for new members, new help. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I will include... Uh... Um, oh, also, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're you're good. Uh, I want to also mention Muddy Creek Trout Unlimited. Okay. I belong to Muddy Creek Trout Unlimited, and we have a hatchery there to stock Muddy Creek. And uh, Okay. Same thing down uh, below uh, uh, Brogue. And uh, if you fish Muddy Creek, get involved with Muddy Creek Trout Unlimited. I'm sorry. To no, interrupt. you're good. You're good. Uh, I, uh, guys, make sure if you're interested in either of those uh, two uh, groups, uh, check out the show notes. I'll put links in um so that uh, you guys can find those and support them. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, definitely uh, at least check them out and, and see what they have to offer. Cause uh, both, 
both of those places I, I, I'm very familiar with uh, Yellow Breaches, um, uh, but I'll definitely check out uh, the Money uh, Money Creek one too. So, um, but very very cool. So, um, all right, brother. Well, all right, my so brother. Much. Thank you. Yep. See you, everybody. Be safe. All right, guys. Uh, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Pin Podcast. Uh, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a good night.